It's the boy, Bubba, let's come in through. Ella, clutch, flawless, can't be touched. It's your boy, Bubba, let's. Yeah, I need that hot take. I need the truth and everything that is not fake. So tell me who's the goat, I'll tell you who's not great. And which team always make you go right way. Yeah. Welcome back, Bubba Bunch, to another edition of the Bubble Let Sports Podcast. And most importantly, or more importantly, Welcome back to winners and losers of the NFL. We are here. Week one is in the books. Week two, just inching our way into it for that Thursday night game in the NFC East. But let's, we, we, I mean, we got to talk about week one, right? Just all, all, the, all the greatness, all the suckiness, everything in between. There's so much to talk about. The upsets, the performances, just absolutely phenomenal to get back to this with crowds, with atmospheres, and it, it proved uh, great things for some of these teams uh, on Sunday and even on Monday night with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, but you know how we do things. If you're new to the channel, if you're new to this podcast, we talk about winners. I name three winners. I name three losers. We give out some bubbly. We cry like Stephen A for some of these teams. And let's just let's just put a Stephen A out there for my boy Kevin. Rest in peace. He's still with us, but not for this week. Um, the schedules were not in our favor, and uh, unfortunately, he will not be joining us this week for winners and losers. But hopefully, next week for week two, he will join us, and we get back to those long podcasts. But they are very entertaining as you've seen uh, over the last few weeks. But let's get right into week one of winners and losers for the NFL. Winners, we got to start off hot. And nothing's hotter than the Los Angeles Rams. Dear God, what a game that was on Sunday night for the Los Angeles Rams. The debut of Matthew Stafford in that Rams uniform. The debut of the Rams with a crowd and fans in SoFi Stadium. The beautiful stadium that is there. And... The atmosphere was so electric, and you could just sense that there was something special about to happen in Los Angeles. They were great last year with Sean McVay uh, still at the helm, but they just fell a little bit short. You know, they were missing that one ingredient. Jared Goff wasn't the guy. He would never. He never was. He was just there. Well, Sean McVay, that coaching staff, that front office makes the moves, and everything falls into place for Matthew Stafford to get traded from Detroit to Los Angeles, and boy, what a debut that was. A 34-14 win over the Andy Dalton-led Bears. Uh, Matthew Stafford, what an incredible performance. 20 of 26, 321 in the air, and three touchdowns. Beautiful dimes across the field. And the disparity, the variety of weapons that this man has, and I don't feel like we've seen the best of this offense yet because we still don't have a real answer as to who's going to take over in that backfield. Daryl Henderson took over in week one because Sony Michelle, coming from New England, doesn't really know the offense officially yet. He still needs some time to get into that system. But I think that duo can really do some big things for Matthew Stafford, actually give him a running game that he never really had in Detroit. But Daryl Henderson, still productive, efficient from that backfield. But, of course, it was going to be the Matthew Stafford show. 
Sean McVay has been wanting a guy like this to where he can just lay it out. I mean, just take a chance whenever you feel like it, and you can trust your quarterback to do so, and Matthew Stafford's the right guy for that. I mean, we saw it early on with Van Jefferson. We saw it with Cooper Cup. We saw it with Taylor Higby. Like, the weapons are all there, and I feel like you're going to get the best out of these guys because of Matthew Stafford. Look, I love the move for Matthew Stafford. The only thing I didn't really or I wasn't really confident on was his injury history and whether or not he can play the full 17 regular season games and maybe go into the playoffs look if you're getting this version of Matthew Stafford this team's winning the goddamn Super Bowl I mean it's 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 that easy because not only was that offense on a roll but that defense seemed very confident under the first game with new defensive coordinator Raheem Morris and Brandon Staley leaves for Los Angeles with the Chargers. You still need to bring in another defensive mind. But Sean McVay just finds these guys out of fucking nowhere. And Raheem Morris to come in and just take over like nothing changed. I mean, that's just really good. Jalen Ramsey, what a game he had. It was all over the field. And they talked about it on the broadcast with Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. How he was he was getting bored. Like, he he's bored of just being one-on-one -on -one with a receiver and not being thrown his way let's move him around let's let's just throw him out and go on a on a corner blitz let's just make him read the the run plays and let him make a play and that's exactly what happened on Sunday night with this uh this Rams defense boy Jalen Ramsey uh, Jalen Ramsey looks good excuse me and uh, Aaron Donald of course is going to be your defensive player of the year almost every year uh, I'm I'm in love with what they're doing with the Rams organization. Sean McVay's doing what he does. Matthew Stafford's doing what he does. That defense doing what it does. I'm I'm really excited to see what this team does over the span of 17 games in the regular season. How this is going to affect the NFC West because they've all won a game in week one. But I, it's fair to say that the Rams look the best out of anybody. Now with that said, the second winner of this week. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Rams, enjoy the bubbly. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. So I say that the Rams look the best out of the NFC West. Well, I think the Arizona Cardinals may have an argument here because they look damn good as well. Probably the best we've seen the Arizona Cardinals in a very long time. I mean, I'm talking like Kurt Warner days, but I don't think that Kurt Warner ever had the defense that was shown out on Sunday afternoon. And I, it, it's exactly what I wanted to see. Look, coming into this game, coming into this season, this is a dire situation for Cliff Kingsbury and this coaching staff. They need to get some success under their belt. Not just some wins in the regular season. They need some playoff wins and some appearances in the playoffs. That needs to be done this year. And if it's not, then I, I think Cliff Kingsbury, Kingsbury is out of there. I, I really do believe that because it's not a fact of like, you're not getting the job done. But it's a matter of, is this our ceiling? Is a great offense and explosive offense during the regular season, but what do they do in the postseason? Or do they even make the postseason? We have not seen that yet with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. But going into the season, huge high hopes for Arizona with their acquisitions in the offseason, including J.J. Watt, including A.J. Green, some guys in the draft that they just seem to always love to get in um in the draft. Like I, I really enjoy seeing their draft classes over the last few years, but this, this tenure with Kingsbury, 
it has to do more this year and it has to be put together this year. They're making the moves. They're being very aggressive. And in a year to where the NFC West is going to be highly competitive and we could see two to three, even maybe four teams make the playoffs if they all play well. And it looks like it after week one. Where do the uh, where do the Cardinals fall into that? Look, this offense is on fire. And it's thanks to Kyler Murray doing what he does best. And that's just playing Madden football. He's just running around. He has X-Factor on at all times. And this dude's throwing bombs down the field. He's just enjoying playing the game. And he plays it at such a level. that I don't, I don't know if we can all comprehend what he does on the field. 21 of 32, 298 passing yards, 4 touchdowns. Two of those go to Hopkins. Two of those go to my boy Christian Kirk. Did not get 200 yards like I expected him to, but the two touchdowns, it'll do. Four touchdowns, just incredible. It's much like the Rams. The weapons are all there. Um, The running game was nice to see with the departure of Kenyon Drake. You saw Chase Edmonds. You saw James Conner. I wish I could have seen a little bit of Eno Benjamin in there, but the running game looks nice. Like Considering what the departure was for Kenyon Drake and the disappointment that was the running game last year. And you start to see like, oh, maybe it's just going to be Kyler Murray all the time. Very nice integration into this offense for week one. And the Tennessee Titans could do nothing about it. I mean, they their defense is already depleted enough. They have so many holes in that secondary. But this, this is what great teams do. This is what really good teams do. They exploit the weaknesses and they beat the bad teams. They beat them down. And that's what the Rams did. That's what the Cardinals did. They... They just do what they're supposed to do, and they execute. And speaking of execution, let's not discredit what this defense has done already through one week of football. Like last year, I was really wanting more from that defense. Vance Joseph was plugging in the pieces, and you could start to see it kind of crumble together. But there were still some questions about the secondary. With Patrick Peterson leaving finally, where does that leave like Buda Baker and that secondary? Isaiah Simmons, what is his role on this team? And of course, with the the loss of Chandler Jones through that bicep injury last year and Hassan Reddick leaving after this year for Carolina, well, I mean, there's still a lot of things to be answered for this defense, but they came out and not only did they perform well, they probably performed better than any defense that I saw all weekend long. I love some of the defensive performances. You know we got to shout out those. But Arizona showed me something that I've never seen before. And relentless, just absolutely aggressive in every aspect of the game, shutting down the receivers. Julio Jones in his first game with the Tennessee Titans, who is considered one of the best wide receivers in the league, two receptions. A.J. Brown, not that many more. Derrick Henry, the king himself, the rushing leader from last year, only 58 yards for him. And it doesn't get any better than Chandler Jones coming back from that bicep injury and showcasing his skills to J.J. Watt, who you could see him getting five sacks throughout his careers or career. Uh, Chandler Jones said, nah, I'm going to take my career high to the next level with five sacks and make Ryan Tannehill look like Miami Dolphins Ryan Tannehill. That man was all over the place and could not be stopped. Even the offensive line for the Titans came out on social media and said, look, you beat the hell out of me. I respect that. I got to get better. But you torched me today. Chandler Jones is that dude. 
And I, I don't think they're missing Hassan Reddick right now because of Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. Vance Joseph has got to be happy with his team. I mean, it, it's week one. It doesn't mean anything unless you make the playoffs and win some playoff games. But for a game where I felt like the Cardinals were pushed to like to the wall, I, I mean, like backs against the wall, Cliff has that pressure on him to perform at a high level, and so does his entire team, especially Vance Joseph, too. Uh, with his defense trying to make that extra jump against a explosive offense that we've seen in the past with Tennessee. This was the perfect performance for Arizona. And I, I was really considering them as the winner of the week, as we're going to start doing rather than just three winners the same. I'm going to put a winner of the week. The Arizona Cardinals were right there. It, they were right there. So before we get into that, Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, Cliff, Daddy Cliff and Vance Joseph, enjoy some bubbly. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. There's one ultimate winner of the week. And I got I to gotta put my foot in my mouth because just a few weeks ago, I put out a video saying who's going to be a bust. It's week one. I won't say this man is the MVP. And I won't say that he is going to be a top five quarterback in the league. But what he did during the game and what he did after the game, just pure excellence. It's a chef's kiss, to be honest, because Jameis Winston is a God's gift to the NFL. Jameis Winston, not only is comedy, but the LASIK eye surgery. It Actually, you know what? The LASIK eye surgery in general, should be the winner of the week, the ultimate winner, because uh, Exhibit A, Jameis Winston, 14 of 20. It, it seemed like he did a lot more, but only 148 yards. But that doesn't matter when you throw five touchdowns against a team that went to the NFC Championship last year in the Green Bay Packers. Five touchdowns, no interceptions, which is the big key here, and that's got to be the LASIK eye surgery. It's got to be. Jameis Winston has gone from the laughing stock of the NFL, being the backup, being benched by Ryan Fitzpatrick, being the backup to Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, winning the job, sounding like a, a robot in press conferences, to scoring five touchdowns against the Green Bay fucking Packers. His performance was great. But let's just talk about this soundbite for a second. I, the soundbite really elevated him to elite status for this week. And it's it's typical, Jameis Winston. Dare I say, I am I'm appalled by myself for thinking otherwise that Jameis Winston's not going to put out something for us to laugh about. I'll just let it speak for itself. Well, I just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. I mean, when you have LASIK eye surgery and you're prepared, no one can stop you. This man cannot be stopped if those two things happen on a Sunday morning. Jameis Winston, 38-3 win for the Saints, led by Jameis Winston over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Jameis, I am sorry. I am so sorry. I, I should have never degraded you to a level of a bum status um, I, I didn't believe in you. I really didn't. And 
I'm I'm still not a hundred percent sold on Jameis Winston being the the best option for the Saints or being a starting quarterback in general. That's just me, but I I got to eat my own words for a week. Five touchdowns, a great soundbite, added to the collection. Jameis Winston, you finally get your bubbly. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. You know what? It makes me it makes me very warm inside to know that there's even if you're a bum for like five years in the league, well, he was more. Uh, it's been like six or seven. You can you still have a chance in this world, and all you need is to be prepared and lace a guy's surgery. It's it's phenomenal. It's it's really comforting, to say the least. Uh, but let, let's get a little sad here. Let's let's get a little frustrated uh, because since we're on the topic of Jameis Winston and the Saints, first loser of the week is going to be the Green Bay Packers in an absolutely embarrassing showing, in a 38-3 loss. Last year in that Tampa Bay game where they went up early and they just, and this is during the regular season, you could also count the NFC uh, championship game as well, but... I, I felt like that loss in the regular season was a humbling experience for the Green Bay Packers. And it was it, it was due, right? Because they were such on a streak and they were red hot. They could not be stopped offensively. And their defense was holding up. I, I, I basically argued for that defense all year long. And I ate my own words again in that NFC Championship game. But I, I felt like having that loss was a good humbling experience. It, it brought them back down to earth. And you saw, I mean, they made a good run. They still made it to the NFC Championship. But that loss was embarrassing, to say the least, because of how they played late in that game. This is different, though. This is a game to where you are the heavy favorites. And no matter what Jameis Winston does and, and what this defense does, um, what the coaching staff does for New Orleans. This was an easy win for the Green Bay Packers. They were the better roster. They were the better team considering history. Like Drew Brees is gone and the Saints weren't the greatest with Drew Brees under center, but they were still a good team. But we can all agree that the Green Bay Packers are just too stacked, roster filled with talent, uh, great coaching, and of course, led by Aaron Rodgers, who can just turn it on a dime, right? This felt different in that way because of how much controversy and drama has been riddled for Green Bay over the last two months. Two months, three months. And I'm an advocate for Aaron Rodgers speaking his mind, being a little petty, and a little selfish in his ways because... His play shows on the field. I'm okay with a little bit of diva. Like a wide receiver as a diva is not a problem with me. Des Bryant was a, a diva. OBJ was a diva for most of their careers, early parts of their careers. But as long as that play on the field was consistent, OBJ scoring two touchdowns and going over 150 yards, you can be a diva all you want. Show me production. Des Bryant, even though he just ran his mouth a lot and a lot of it was unnecessary, he produced on the field. And it was only when things start to go wrong in their stat sheets to where you start to have a problem with that divaness. Aaron Rodgers played the best season of his life last year. 
when he started to show his true colors about being more selfish, about just focusing on himself rather than worrying about everybody else, he did what he wanted to do. But that gave you 48 touchdowns, like five interceptions. That gave you one of the best seasons we've ever seen out of a quarterback. I'm okay with a little bit of diva at that point. To come into this game favored, basically a home game because this was in Jacksonville. It wasn't in New Orleans like it was supposed to be due to the storms and due to the hurricane. You saw a lot of Green Bay Packers fans in those stands. This was a home game for the Packers. Rough early start, that's fine. But never in this game did I see effort, did I see care, or, or just sacrifice. And not only does that fall on the Green Bay Packers defense and really this overall roster with the coaching staff, this most importantly falls on Aaron Rodgers. And I hate saying that because I love Aaron Rodgers and what he's done. But seeing him on that sideline looking frustrated and looking like he didn't care you know, slick back and just like, ah, whatever. Like, you're already on thin ice with a lot of people. And I'm not saying that, that Aaron Rodgers doesn't care anymore, but based on what's happened over the last few months, you've gotten everything that you've wanted. You got Randall Cobb for some reason to Green Bay because that's what you wanted. You wanted to leave, but you also love Green Bay. So you're saying, well, let's just structure a deal to where I can play and then leave at the end of the year. You're getting what you want, Aaron. This front office has done everything for you, even though they don't like it. Everything's yours. Everything has been done for you. And for you to go 133 yards and two interceptions, having the fourth lowest passer rating of your career with a 36.8, it's a bad look for Aaron Rodgers. This can't happen. If, if Aaron Rodgers played decent, let, let's just say he had an off Aaron Rodgers day, which is still one of the best games you could have if you're an average quarterback. Yes, there would be some pressure on him and some criticism, but it would fall back to like, well, it's just Aaron Rodgers and the rest can't keep up. No, like you're a part of the problem right now. And this looks dysfunctional. This doesn't look... Like, it's, it's going to end well. The last dance is already off on a bad foot, on a bad step. Like, once you start your dance and you're, you're pigeon-toed and you're on the wrong, like, like, cadence or whatever, it's hard to come back from that. And in week one, you're off to the wrong, you took the wrong step to start the dance. And, yeah, the last dance might be ending a lot... A lot sooner than we thought. But if, if you're comparing it to Jordan and Krause in the 90s, they ended on a, on a championship. And uh, I did not see a championship team for Green Bay. I didn't even see a, I didn't even see a playoff team, really. Uh, everyone lost in the NFC North. And it's weird because it... Like, they play the, the Lions next week on Monday night. Like you have to wait all that time to get back on the field. That favors the Lions, if I'm being honest, based on what I saw in week one. I'm not saying the Lions are going to win, but Green Bay has a lot more issues than just bad film right now. And Aaron Rodgers is to blame for that. So, he better get back on form, otherwise... 
Jordan Love coming in this game may not be a one-time thing. And I think the front office is fed up with a lot of Aaron Rodgers' uh, antics and tactics. So I, I'm really, really telling you that like this was embarrassing for the Green Bay Packers. And this is hard to come back from. It really will be. Um, you can't really say much about this team because of uh, how bad they've been for a good amount of time especially over the last couple of years, their window of a, a Super Bowl or championships has come to an end. And it, it was showcased on Sunday with the uh, the loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, Minnesota Vikings, 27-24 to overtime loss to Cincinnati. It, it's not even the fact that you lost to the Bengals. The Bengals played well. I think they showed a lot of people that they're not all crap. Like, th- there is something to chew on for Cincinnati is not just the offense. I think the defense played pretty well. I'm saying that the Minnesota Vikings killed themselves in every aspect of this game. We knew the defense had problems and, and they've lost their se- uh, a lot of their secondary guys due to off the field issues or injuries or departures, whatever. And they brought in some other guys and I'm just like, I'm not sold on that. Patrick Peterson coming in. Yeah, but he's in the tail end of his career. Up front, they brought back Everson Griffin. Then they didn't, and then they brought him back, and then they cut him. It was weird, and they really don't have a pass rush right now. It's really the linebackers that are the best playmakers on this defense. And offensively, Kirk Cousins will put up a lot of numbers this year, but will they matter? Absolutely not. And I said that in that ranking the quarterbacks video, and it stands true after week one. This is the eighth season under Mike Zimmer. Eight seasons with who we so-called a great coach in this league. We we praised Mike Zimmer for so many years, saying that he's a great defensive mind and he's a great fit to this Minnesota team. And slowly but surely, we're starting to see that that's not the case anymore. Eighth season under Mike Zimmer, and they've never looked so undisciplined and lost. We started the game. We started the game with three offensive penalties on their first drive. I mean, we are four plays in. Five plays in, and they had three penalties already. I get it. Playing on the road isn't easy. And since he isn't really a place to where I think there's going to be a large crowd influence, you're thinking more of Seattle. You're thinking more of like LA, how they played um, in SoFi Stadium. Cincinnati doesn't give me that vibe, but they were loud. They were energetic. You're telling me that with Mike Zimmer in his eighth season, wasn't prepared for that and and there wasn't a uh like a silent count or a preparation for the noise and that's why you were so flustered i i can't take that as a, an excuse as to why you were so bad throughout this game and this wasn't just a first quarter thing this was a thing throughout the entire game and this came down to the wire in overtime The Minnesota Vikings had plenty of chances to just sit back, relax for a second, and say, all right, we're done playing around. We have Justin Jefferson. We have Adam Thielen, who's balling out today with two touchdowns already. Dalvin Cook's looking good. Can we just get one drive and one field goal, and we're out of here, and we just start fresh in week two? They never did that. 12 penalties for 116 yards. At some point, they had four penalties in back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Four plays in a row, they had a penalty. 
And this was, I think, during the two-minute drill at the end of the first half. The worst possible time to get those penalties. This was embarrassing, again, for this Minnesota Vikings team. This offensive line played so bad. They're so inconsistent. And it doesn't help when Kirk Cousins doesn't have the pocket awareness of a cucumber. Like, this dude did not recognize a blitz. Did not recognize a pressure throughout this game. And even though Adam Thielen had two touchdowns and felt like a resurgence finally for him after a lackluster 2020 season, they did nothing with it. They did absolutely nothing with it. When they needed protection, they never got it. And when they needed Kirk to just not make a mistake or hold on to the ball too long, he did exactly that. Kirk Cousins is an okay quarterback. This is a reason why he's not going to be upper tiered in a top 10 list this offensive line is atrocious they somehow get all these early draft picks every year and they do nothing with it i like these guys that they're drafting from their college film but it's not showing up in the nfl this i i mean the vikings are gonna win some games right but mike zimmer is at a point to where this is getting out of hand and you really just got to look at the fundamentals are they disciplined are they focused? And everything is telling me no. They're going to win some games this year. That's just, they're just too talented offensively to not win games. But for the long haul, Mike Zimmer doesn't look like the answer anymore. And I believe in just things, good things come to an end. Like good coaches in one, one place, it's not going to last forever. You're not going to get a, a Bill Belichick. You're not going to get a, I don't know. Like, uh, like a Bill Parcells. You're, you're not going to get those types of guys that are just going to be there forever or be there for a very, very long time. And this is an example of it. Like, Mike Zimmer's a great coach, and wherever he goes, I think he'll be fine. But I think a change of scenery is best for Mike Zimmer, and it's best for the Minnesota Vikings going forward. Um, if we would just... If, okay. Last loser of the week, the, the biggest loser of the week it's it we're we we're one week into the season and i think this coach should be fired already because i'm i I already hate what's happening there it it started to grow in the preseason on and the offseason workouts but it really came apart in their first game of the season and i can't tell you how bad it looked on the field like i was reading the tweets and and like all these people around me are telling me like oh they they look terrible and i was like maybe it's it's being overreactive and maybe it's not so bad at first it wasn't so bad and then the game went along when you're supposed to get more comfortable and better as as uh, the 60 minutes roll on this team got worse as the game went on like not just the minnesota vikings level this was a league of their own The biggest loser of the week is Jacksonville and more importantly, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer has a fireable offense in week one of the NFL season in his first week as a head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like it's, it's that bad. No team looked worse than the Jaguars and it's thanks to Urban Meyer. Look. I, I watched every game, and I watched this one pretty early. So I set the expectation very low, and I just 
I was like, if you're just better than Jacksonville, I think you're going to be fine. Green Bay sucked. Minnesota sucked. But they weren't as bad as the Jacksonville Jaguars. The first offensive play. First offensive play for Trevor Lawrence in the Urban Meyer era. Illegal shift. Uh, then there was another illegal shift, and then there was another illegal shift, and then there was another, uh, there was a legal formation, and then the illegal formations continued. Um, and they all seem to be pretty consistent with the same players on that offensive line. They had 10 accepted penalties. They were 3 of 11 in third downs. A lot of teams were bad on third down. But I think the Jaguars were one of the worst. Um... So, as the Texans are rolling, and they're proving me wrong as to, I'm seeing, I'm seeing signs that say, Deshaun, who? Like, do we need Deshaun? Well, when you have Tyrod Taylor, like, throwing the ball like he was, I mean, Tyrod Taylor is 21 of 33, 291 yards, and two touchdowns. Look, when an offense is just in sync, when, when they, everything's going their way, there's not much you can do about it. All you can do is just focus on yourself and getting better. Jaguars said, fuck that. And they said, we're just going to play some of the worst football um, that you'll see this weekend. There was so much lack of effort, so much confusion and miscommunication on the defensive side. The defense looked gassed after the first quarter, which was shocking and impressive to say the least. Um, After being down heavily in the first half, uh, they come out. And you're saying, well, let's just have a good 30 minutes of football. Just come out and look good, be disciplined, focused. Uh, they then go uh, three and out uh, multiple times in the second half. Uh, the offensive line is just completely lost. Trevor Lawrence is forcing the ball downfield. He threw 28 of 51 for 332 yards. Congratulations. Three touchdowns, but three interceptions. And a lot of throws were really bad decisions. And were just unlike Trevor Lawrence that you've seen and accustomed to in college. And don't even get me started on the amount of drops by these receivers. I DJ Chark went off. LaVisca Chanel had a good game. James Robinson had an okay game. But the amount of drops in this game, it it's a Deontay Johnson times 40. Like, it was that bad for Jacksonville. And all you can do is look at Urban Meyer and say, what did you do wrong or what did you not do to get them prepared? Because they were not prepared at all for a team that is not going to win a lot of games this year. This is probably going to be the Texans' best performance of the year. And I I would have been scared to see what Deshaun Watson would have done to this offense or to this defense. They were that bad. I'm surprised they scored 21 points. Jacksonville looked so bad bad they looked worse than last year and I don't even think that that was humanly possible but Urban Meyer found a way to not care about this team at all and that's sad and that's very concerning for a guy that's had some bad reports bad rumors come out over the last few months that this team is not liking the way that Urban Meyer is running this organization he's running it more of a program in college than he is as an NFL organization and that's just not going to work in the NFL. I I was very hesitant to say that Urban Meyer was going to be successful in Jacksonville because of the health issues he had at Ohio State and whether or not he was going to be invested fully 
into this organization and when things start to go wrong, does he check out? It's week one and we're checking out. I think Trevor Lawrence, if he can just calm down and just go through his reads, go through his progressions, and just find the, the easy receiver or the easiest receiver, Trevor Lawrence is going to be just fine. I think he made some good throws. He made a lot of bad throws, though. And I think that's just a part of the system and realizing that you're not going to win every regular season game of your entire life. But I am terrified to see what this coaching staff does for a full season. And I don't even know if they make it through a full season after the, the debacle that was week one of the NFL. Uh, that, that was really bad. And I can't say really anything positive about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's that's Urban Meyer's fault. He's to blame for a lot of this. I, I'm just... Fundamentals. That's all you got to focus on in your first game as a head coach in a new, whole different era in Jacksonville. Just focus on your fundamentals. Focus on yourself. You may not win, but do what the Lions did. Just show me something. Like show out that you you have some fight to you. There was no fight. There was no drive. Jacksonville's bad, and they're going to be bad for a very long time. And I think you just pull pull the shoot already. And you get rid of Urban Meyer, you bring a new coach in. Hell, I'm I'm call, I'm desperately calling Kansas City. I'm desperately calling Eric Bieniemy and saying, "Do you want this? We will give you everything possible. We will give you everything just to get Urban Meyer out of there." That that's that's how bad it is, and I'm not exaggerating. It might be an overreaction, but I'm not exaggerating. It looked that damn bad for Jacksonville. All right. Uh, that, that was pretty sad. Oh, for all of these, I didn't even do the Stephen A. Ah, who cares? Uh, this is going to do it for winners and losers of the NFL Week 1 edition. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching, guys. Give me your thoughts. If you disagree or if there's some that I didn't even talk about, let us know in the comments down below. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram. Whatever you want to do. But I really appreciate you guys coming in and... Uh, and enjoying some NFL action with me. So thank you again. Keep track of the YouTube channel. We're going to put up a lot of great content over the next few months, and it's only getting started with winners and losers. So we'll see you next time on the Bubble Up Sports Podcast. It's been your boy. Yeah, hold on. Tell me who's your top five quarterbacks right now, dead or alive, huh? And how much do you care about a ring if the best player got carried by the team? Mm. Now, would you lose if it been a better draft pick? And do you cuss when your team?